live from the ESPN 690 and Atari Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Happy Monday, everybody. It's going to be a long one today, but we're going to power through because over this weekend, we had WrestleMania, we had college basketball, we had women's college basketball, we had the Grammys, and you better believe somehow I pulled it off where I was watching it all at the same time. That's what professionals do, Casey. They find a way, they challenge to adversity. They challenge through that 5.30 wake-up call and say, you know what, even if it is 1 o'clock right now in the morning and and I'm riding off that WrestleMania high or that Grammys high, you still got to do what you got to do because you got to show up for work, and we're here today. What's going on, everybody? Austin Lane Action Sports, Jax on ESPN 690. Joined by my man Casey pushing all the right buttons. Co-host Brent Martineau right now in Augusta, Georgia for the Masters. I'm going to have some audio from him hopefully later on, a couple bites, um, some golf, and I think some other topics that he got into. You ever been to Augusta, Casey? No, sir. It's pretty. It's hard to get in. Is that, it's, 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 super, it's like super hard to get tickets. Okay. Yeah. If you had the opportunity, you'd obviously go, right? Yeah. Okay, so obviously me being, and I say this with, with the biggest quotes of all time, a very casual golf fan. Golf pick winner this week, though. Golf pick winner, thank you very much. No, he didn't win. No, you got like, fourth, but you won between got three. Fourth. It's yeah, a weekly yeah. win for you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. How many FedEx uh, cut points did I get? hundred and some. Okay, I mean, I'm okay with that then. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we're talking triple digits, if we're talking, you know, the century mark, then okay, I, I can celebrate that. I had no idea. Last time I checked, he was plus two on Sunday. I was getting a little worried, so he yeah. must have came back Finish and did strong. all right. All right, well, then start strong, Charles Howell the third. What are we doing, man? Come on, let's okay. go. But anyways, when we talk about you know, places that you would want to visit, like being the ultimate sports fan. And Casey, you're, you're much more of a golf fan than I ever will be. I mean, if you have the opportunity, is Augusta on that list? Oh, yeah. 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 Is it like top, uh, number one, number two? In all sports? In all sports. It's definitely top five. Okay. Yeah, like I never really put the list together, if you will. But well, we're doing it right now. Yeah. A lot of, I mean, oh, that's a good one. Uh, I have interest in now international soccer. Yeah. So that's on there. Um I've never been to Fenway, so that's on there. Sure, sure. Even though I don't like the Red Sox. Lambeau Field's probably on there for no reason other than just... Oh, it's it's a great place, man. Yeah. I've been there. It's fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd say top five. So, absolutely. top five. Yeah, and obviously, I think that the concession stands, um, you can't be mad at those either. Well, I mean, cheap, you're, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're one of uh, the biggest concession stand experts that I know. You used yeah. to go to the high school games and check them all out. Yeah. And when we talk about Augusta, you're talking pimento cheese sandwiches for, like, what, a buck or whatever yeah, it is? I'm not mad at it. Yeah, I'm not mad at that either. I mean, I get, like, the cost of gas pretty pricey right now. I'll tell you what. I would drive to Augusta right now for, I don't know, 10 pimento cheese sandwiches and just kind of put them in a cooler and just kind of grub all around the course. That's what we should have had Brent do, bring us back some. Oh, now we're a little taste test? Yeah. What else they got there, you know? They got, I mean, there's, like, a bunch of person. different sandwiches. There's, like, chicken okay. salad, I think, ah, as nah, well. Nah, nah, yeah, nah, we're, we're, we're going pimento cheese sandwich. Maybe we know? can have Brent send us a picture of the menu. There we go. Like tomorrow, we'll have him bring in a cooler. Kind of break it down a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I mean, truth be told, like I I get it. You know, it's um, uh, there's no event like it, Uh, a tradition like no other. I believe they say the Masters. Yeah, yeah. But man, go and give me the players. You know what I'm saying? Go and give me Jacksonville. Give me Ponte Vedra Beach with all the locals hanging out, drinking some, you know, Fireball if if case may be. Like I feel like the Masters, you have to like wear like your Sunday best to that. Now maybe I'm wrong. Like, but, like, I feel like there's the players, 
Then there's like TPC, what, what the, the the Phoenix one, where yeah, yeah, people yeah. just don't even care, throwing bottles on the course, yeah. like zero respect. It's like Happy Gilmore. Facts. And then there's like you know the Masters, where it's yeah, like, yeah. all right, better better tuck in that shirt. You're held you know to a I'm higher saying? standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, man, I'm all good. I don't need to be held to a higher standard. I'll stick to my players, but uh, I'm sure it's a cool experience. So we'll hear more from Brett Martineau later on in the show. But a fantastic weekend for for all fans alike, whether it's wrestling, music, um, or, or sports. You know, when we talk about and I, wrestling's a sport, but uh, when we talk about Duke, North Carolina, I mean, first of all, let's let's go back to the first game, Kansas, Villanova. You know, kind of went how we thought it was going to go yep. at the end of the day. You know, Villanova just couldn't compete. Um, Kansas, man, you want to talk about the shooting, the height? They, they had everything, and like. After that game, I left thinking, like, well, it doesn't matter if Duke, North Carolina is going to win that one. Um, I feel like Kansas is going to take it all. But then, you know, we fast forward to the main event. Uh, a, a story too good for even the gods to write, it seemed like, where you got Duke and North Carolina. Um, you know, one of the biggest rivalries in all of professional sports. Coach K's last dance, all these storylines. And, yeah, they obviously hyped it up with all those storylines as well. But, man, North Carolina um, – Regardless, I think if they win the national championship now, I think they already won the national championship. Yeah. Because they have bragging rights for life, and I don't care like what the. I think they played a hundred games. It might be fifty fifty now in terms of. It is, you know, that's uh, correct. So it's yep. fifty. No, it's not. All right. Like I get it. You played a hundred games. Duke won fifty of those. North Carolina won fifty of those. As far as I'm concerned, North Carolina is up by at least seventy five games right now, because you beat Coach K. You beat this prolific coach. On the biggest stage, the final four, and you sent him home. You, you, you crushed the storybook ending. And it was funny because, you know, the, the whole week up into that game, my friends and I were in, you know, our, our sports group texts texting, like, who do you think is going to win? Who do you want to win? And the whole week, I was kind of indifferent to how I felt about Duke. Like, yeah, growing up as a kid, Duke was kind of that school you hated, and I got that a little bit. But also, I was kind of a Grant Hill fan, like, and I never hated on Grant Hill. Like, every kid that you knew growing up had one of those Detroit Piston Grant Hill jerseys, you know, like, like, like the neon green ones yeah. with, like, the, the pipes and the horse coming out, right? you know, like the, yeah. like the alternate jersey. I guarantee you, anybody listening right now, you knew some kid that had that jersey. And in your lifetime, when you saw that jersey, you were like, it's not a bad jersey. I'm not mad at it's it. It's kind of aggressive. Yeah. The, the colors are way too aggressive, but... Logo's kind of cool. If they bring it back for a retro night, I wouldn't be mad at it. So, like, I never really grew up, you know, hating Duke. I've told this story before. I was at an AAU tournament in Las Vegas. Um, it, it, was the, it was the Adidas 64, the best 64 AAU teams in the country compete at this one. We ended up getting fourth, by the way. We had a really solid team. Oh, yeah, wow. Casey. We were messing around. But I always tell the story where uh, I'm in between games. I'm at the urinal doing my business. Sure. I look right to the right of me. And who's right to the right of me? I'm guessing Coach K. Coach K. Now, I'm not the guy in a urinal that's going to say what's up to anybody, right? That's there, a good call. You, 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 you can't. Like, listen, as far as, and this is coming from a communications major, right? You don't have to get a degree in communications to know, you know what? If someone's in a urinal next to you, wait till you're done doing your thing. Wait till they leave the bathroom and then say something to them. Agreed. Yeah. But not me. Not not 16-year-old Austin. I, I, I was in such shock that Coach K, the legend, was standing next to me. What did I do? I go, what's up, Coach? <laughs> and, and the best part was, like, you know, it wasn't just like a casual, what's up, Coach? Oh, I turned to him, man. Like, I was trying to make eye contact with Coach K. It's Coach K. Yeah. In the urinal. Yeah. You're going to say what's up to him, Casey. I don't, judge me all you want. No, no, no. I'm judge like, me. Okay, okay, yeah. cool. So, yeah, I turned to him, you know, still going. I go, 
what's up, coach? He goes, how you doing there, son? I'm like, not too bad. And that was it. And then that was the whole conversation. <laughs> All right? Now, he was cool about it. You know, I guarantee him that clipboard that he had with all the recruits, I wasn't one of them, all right? He probably had <laughs> 300 names on that clipboard of possible Duke recruits. I definitely wasn't one of them, but that was my Coach K moment. So, like, I, I never hated on the dude. But for some reason, Casey, that Saturday night, we're about four or five minutes into the game, and we're going back over the narratives, and they're showing the Duke crowd and the Cameron crazies and all this stuff. I couldn't help but think, Let's go North Carolina. Yeah. Because I guess I wanted to see chaos. Because so many times in sports, you get that storybook ending, it seems like. Right. And it just seemed like the way Duke played in the ACC championship game, and, you know, it was like, okay, there's no way they're going to make a run in the Final Four. Well, they do, and they look great. And it's like, well, the, all those, the stars are aligning for Duke to win the whole thing. Gonzaga got bounced out. What happened happened. Brackets are shot. And here's Duke basketball doing their thing. And then when it was, like I said, four or five minutes in that first quarter, I was thinking, you know what? Go North Carolina. And, and I had my allegiance at that. I don't know what it was. I think I was just so annoyed by the storyline being hyped up so much where it's going to be like the greatest game of all time and all this. And spoiler alert, it wasn't the greatest game of all time. All right? Was it entertaining? Sure. Yeah. Was, was there a lot on the line? Absolutely. But, like, we are such prisoners of the moment where we want to call, well, that was the greatest game of all time. Or that was the greatest game of all time because it just happened. It wasn't the greatest game of all time, all right? But I will say this. I am happy that North Carolina won. Your thoughts, Casey? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I desperately needed Duke to win to stay alive in the survivor pool. Yeah. So spoiler alert. Yeah. One person's not going to put in his survivor pool pick tonight because <laughs> he doesn't have a team to pick. So he made it to the final but didn't get an opportunity, so that stinks. But yeah. to your point, yeah, I felt the same way. I thought North Carolina was going to win. That's just kind of how I felt. And then to your point, I felt the same way. I was like, you know... I'm kind of sick of it. Like, yeah. we're giving no love to North Carolina, first-year coach, and all this. I was like, you know what? I, I want them to win now. So I was in the same position you were, where early on I was hoping for North Carolina to win, but then at the same time, like, if Duke won, I wouldn't have been mad at it because I had a team to pick. But North Carolina, just the way I look at it, they're deeper. They were a deeper team. Like, Duke was a one-man show pretty much with yep. Van Caro. So uh, North Carolina was deeper, and Duke, it comes down to making free throws. No, without a doubt. And, and like, how – I don't say it's ironic by any means, but, like, how crazy is it that, like, one of the most fundamental things that I think has a lot to do with coaching and making sure your guys are ready to shoot from the free throw line, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, the, there's well-coached teams that hit free throws, and there's, you know, I think undisciplined teams that don't hit free throws. And, like, how ironic when we talk about arguably one of the greatest coaches of any sport ever and his team at the end failed to make the free throws. It's weird. It's, it, it's so weird. And... You know, like and you, like you said, Casey, like North Carolina, it seemed like it was just their time, um, you know, uh, back hot or whatever. I mean, tw the guy, yeah. I, I get it, he didn't shoot that well, mm. but like made himself known. 21 rebounds. Like, I can't remember the last time I saw someone get 21 rebounds in a game, yes, nice. especially in a collegiate game. Well, you know what I'm all saying? over the boards. Yeah, dude was all over the boards. Um, they're, they're a very talented team, and it's crazy being the eighth seed, right, because they kind of were an afterthought. It was all about, you know, maybe Duke. Virginia Tech, I thought, was a hot team. Yep. Coming on this tournament, I had them going very far. And lo and behold, the North Carolina Tar Heels come out and do their thing. After the game, people were making a big deal. Did you have an issue with the Duke players not shaking hands with the Tar Heel players? I mean, I kind of thought it was weak, right? I yeah. mean... You, that's what you do. Like, that's what teams do. That's what you always do. I mean, heck, you see it in hockey mm -hmm. after playoff. And those guys definitely don't like each other. Of course. So, I mean, 
I feel like it, it, it wasn't a great look for Duke, and I think they deserve to be criticized at least a little bit. Yeah, uh, I hear you. Um, I guess I'm not so – like, the optics look bad, right? It looks bad when Coach K is the only guy on the court shaking hands with the North Carolina players. Keep in mind, the biggest rival ever, and he's doing his thing, and, like, it seems like his team was, was nowhere to be seen. I understand the players' perspective from that, though, because while there was a lot of pressure on Coach K – there's also a lot of pressure on those Duke players, right? And, and this is an extremely young team. Like, imagine being the team that is responsible for dictating how one of the most legendary coaches ever goes out, right? And, and it's, it's all based on your play. Now, yeah, they, they, they play decently, but once again, we talked about it. The, the free throw line is what, is what shot them, um, is what got them beat. So I get people want to make a big deal about it, poor sports, all this stuff. It's a rivalry. At the end of the day, okay? And trust me, if it was me playing today in the league or if it was me playing back in 2010, I hated to lose. And, and the last thing I wanted to do after a game, and keep in mind, it's the NFL, so shaking hands and giving hugs and, um, you know, if, if you don't want to be in a prayer circle, you don't have to be in a prayer circle. Like, I, I, I was never that guy, especially. I mean, if, if I won, sure. I'm shaking all the hands, dude. I'm, I'm asking people about their families. I'm, I don't care, man. I'm taking pictures. Because winning, there's no, there's no better feeling than winning. I don't care what you're playing. I don't care if it's the NFL. I don't care if you're playing Scrabble with your son. It doesn't matter. If you win, you feel really, really good. And when you lose, it absolutely sucks. So I get where those Duke players were coming from, where they felt dejected. I'm sure they felt like they let Coach K down. He, he doesn't get his, his one shining moment of hoisting one more trophy in his final year. It's the last dance, but you didn't stay for the last song. You got thrown out by security, and it is what it is. And... I'm not, I don't fault the players for that. I think even from a professional level, um, if, if, a, if a player wanted to walk off and not shake hands, I have no issue with that as well. Now, if it's like LeBron James, yeah, you, you want to grill him. You want to chastise him because we've seen this before. Um, you want to make him the scapegoat and says, oh, you know, Jordan would No, first of all, Jordan wouldn't have. I think Jordan did walk off the court one time against the Detroit Pistons. Every player handles things differently, all right? Every player's psyche is different. And the last thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold a player accountable for is in the moment, if the emotions get the best of him, you just got beat, you just lost the biggest game of your life, I'm not going to say, well, I can't believe he didn't shake his hand after the game. Nah, man. Hockey, I get it. It's tradition. You do what you got to do. I once watched Chara of the, I think at the time, it would have been the Boston Bruins, break his jaw on maybe a, a, a dirty hit, whatever the case may be. Yep. Played with a broken jaw nonetheless. And now at the end, by the way, you know what he did? Shook everyone's hand yeah. with a broken jaw. Wired jaw. Drinking, yeah, yeah, wired jaw. Drinking through a straw for, I don't know, four or five months. Yeah. You think he was a little upset? You think he was bitter? But no, he still shook hands. That's what he did. Duke didn't do that. I have no qualms about it. It is what it is. Long story short, North Carolina is moving on, and they'll be playing tonight. Kansas, North Carolina, the NCAA championship. Who do you like? I, I'm going to stick with it. I said a couple weeks ago, I think on OT, like I'm riding with North Carolina. Yeah, I'm gonna stay riding with them because I think they're now. Granted, the hangover from this that Duke win was probably incredible. Yeah, but I, I think they're hot. I think they're incredibly deep, well coached. Now Kansas is good. I yeah. tell you what, I know that I know you get plus money on North Carolina right now, guaranteed. Oh, without a doubt. Back. I think they stay hot. I think they shock everybody. And I think they beat another extremely good team and win it all. So back out. We're not sure about him yet, right? He's he's on the fence. I think I think he heard he's probably going to play. He's going to play. But, okay. Uh, I don't think it's 100. percent So I'm going to say this about this North Carolina Kansas game. 
I like Kansas here. And it's nothing against North Carolina because, once again, like they, they have all the tools to beat a Kansas team who's finally surging. But, like, I think back, and, and it's kind of a weird comparison, but I'm going to go here. Back in 2010, I was training in Pensacola getting ready for the combine. And a part of the, some of the guys that were in my combine group that I trained with, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time with eating lunch and doing whatnot. Um, Sam Bradford was one of those guys, Oklahoma quarterback, oh, went, went number one. Up. But I also, there were three Alabama players um, at this facility th- that I spent a lot of time with. Um, one of those guys was Terrence Cody. Now, you remember Terrence Cody? He w- was a defensive tackle. He's like 340 pounds. He, I believe he had the game-winning field goal block, if I'm not mistaken, or the extra point. I think it was the field goal block okay. uh, to seal the game that I believe is the SEC championship. Now, he got in a little trouble in the NFL. Um, that's not what we're talking about, Terrence Cody. But I remember hanging out with these Alabama guys, and we're, we're like in like the stretch line. We're getting ready to you know, do our workout and all that stuff. And I remember I asked him, because keep in mind who I am. I'm, I'm this lowly guy from Murray State who had never sniffed greatness in terms of a, a successful football season, per se. Uh, individual success, sure. Team success, absolutely not. And I remember I asked him, I'm like, dude, what, like, what was it like winning the national championship, guys? Like, that, that had to be insane. You're the best college football team in the world. And it was almost like it was on cue. All three of them. And now one was Terrence Cody. The other, I forget the guy's name. He was a tight end. The other dude was a linebacker. And they all said in unison, we didn't care. And I go, well, what do you mean you didn't care? Like, you won the national championship. Like, I saw Saban almost, you know, crying and actually showing emotion. What do you mean you guys didn't care? And I'll never forget what Terrence Cody told me. He's like, that, that was a national championship game. Like, yeah, we won that game. But our game was beating the Florida Gators. That was our national championship game, was shutting the Florida Gators down. Interesting. Everything after that, we honestly didn't care. They're saying, and like, I, I don't want to divulge too much, but I guess, like, for the national championship game, like, the practices and everything, yeah. It was, wow. it was like two days ago because, in their eyes, winning the SEC championship meant a lot more than winning the national championship. And, and I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Now, keep in mind, these guys won, a, I think, a couple of them at the time. Right. So I'm sure the first one was great and then it kind of got mundane. But then I think back to that UNC uh, Duke game. That was their national championship game. Right, like, yeah, I, I get it. You get to get the one shining moment. Uh, you cut down the nets, all that stuff. I guarantee that moment, if you beat Kansas, isn't going to come close to beating a Duke team in Coach K's last game. So that's why I lean on the, on the side of Kansas a little bit, where it's like Kansas still has something to play for, and yeah, so does UNC. But UNC had the big one, sure. right? Like, if UNC loses this game, yeah, there's, there's going to be tears. I'm sure there's going to be emotions, but man. You're, you're, you're going back home to North Carolina, and they should be rallying at you at the airport, even when you lost, because it, it means that much. True. Kansas, I feel like, okay, what'd you do? You beat Villanova, who was done one of their star players. Yeah, you, you come from the Big 12. Do you really have a big rivalry there? I don't know. Like, this is Kansas's game. So that's why I think I'm leaning towards Kansas right now. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, UNC could definitely win this, but I'm definitely leaning towards the side of Kansas. I like it. Yeah. By the way, uh, Terrence Cody just did some yeah. deep diving on him. Yeah. Guess how many career sacks? I mean, he was primarily like a nose tackle, so didn't get in the backfield, I feel like, too much. I'll say two and a half. Zero. Zero sack. Yeah. He, he, he was more like a run stopper. He was like, he was like Vita Vea, 
except without, like, the pass rush capabilities. Yeah. Because you got to remember, like, back then, it wasn't about, like, having a, a defensive tackle who can get to the quarterback. You're just taking up space. So it sounds like, though, out of that little group you guys that were training, most yeah. career sacks came from Austin Lane, it sounds like. You know what? You're not wrong, man. Yeah, yeah. Now, granted, I mean, it was, <laughs> it was me and uh, a cat from South Dakota State who I think I beat out, if I'm not mistaken, in career sacks. Guaranteed, 100%. I, well, we have to look, look him up. His name is Danny Batten, so between the break, look him up. Uh, but when we come back here, we got some Jaguars topics to get at. I'm still seeing Evan Neal mocked number one overall. And I think it's time to bring up a question that we really haven't talked about yet that I want to go over with Casey and see how he feels about this one. More on ESPN 690 when we get back. Why is that a bad thing? Does anyone think Bruce Arians was a great coach? Bruce Arians is a great guy. Bruce Arians' legacy is all that he did for diversity and inclusion, a major issue in the National Football League. And this is a guy who walked the walk and as well as talked the talk about giving minority coaches opportunities, about giving female coaches opportunities, about doing any number of other things that in the big picture are more important than being a great football coach. But he's not been a great head coach. If indeed Tom Brady said, look, if I'm going to keep playing, I want to win championships, and that's not the best coach for me to do it, and he went about orchestrating that. Is that a bad thing? Okay, so... Casey, help me understand here. Is he getting at that he thinks Tom Brady orchestrated Bruce Arians being... Well, not being fired, but just resigning and let being let go? Essentially? I think, yeah, I think he's saying... By the way, it's, it's Mike Greenberg, but sorry. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah, Killed yeah, it. Yeah, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think there's a little bit of that, but I think he's also saying, like, are, is Arians, like, the greatest head coach of all time? Yeah. Probably not. You know? Yeah, sure, sure. So, like, could Todd Bowles or whoever be a better coach for Tom Brady? Possibly. Yeah. Not putting, like, Arians on, like, the God pedestal. I no, guess. for sure, for sure. And, I mean, I, okay, I guess I understand that. But also, like, if you look at Arians' track record when he's in Indianapolis, you know, um, having to take over really on short notice – when he got to Arizona and having some pretty good success there, and then winning a Super Bowl in Tampa, I mean, is he the greatest coach to ever do it? Well, absolutely not. Obviously not. I don't think he's that bad. I mean, I think wherever he's been, he's had success. I think he's built a, a pretty great culture, and he's kind of been at the forefront in terms of, you know, hiring minorities, number one, but also females, number two. So I think the guy is really outside the box and ahead of his time on that. So... And he's an offensive-minded guy who who preaches the vertical offense. So I guess I'm trying to have a I'm having a hard time saying what I don't like about Bruce Arians. Oh, and he's got the swag factor. Okay, so you got to agree with me on that. He's got the swag factor. Oh, 100%. I mean, hey, Oakley, cut, cut the check on our boy Bruce Arians with the and I don't know what you call it, kind of like the paperboy hat or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not mad at that swag. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Belichick's got his cut off whatever sweatshirt going on. True. Arians has the Oaks and the and the paperboy hat. I'm not mad at anything that Bruce Arians does. Yeah, there was the speculation, the rumors that Tom Tom Brady didn't agree with Bruce Arians and and how the offense was ran, but. Do you mean to tell me that Bruce Arians volunteering, saying, hey, you know what, I'm done coaching, let me pass it off to my man Todd Bowles? Like, is it going to be that much different? Like, is it going to change that drastically where Tom's like, as long as Bruce Arians is gone, we're all good? I don't know how I feel about that. So I get the storyline. I, I get trying to cover the, the story from all angles. 
I just don't think Tom Brady was responsible for Bruce Arians walking away. I believe more of what Ian Rappaport said where, you know, Bruce Arians wanted to have it when he finally felt like it was good to leave, he could leave it in good hands to one of his coordinators. And I think that's the case. I think if Tom Brady doesn't come back, then I think Bruce Arians still coaches to try to, you know, tries to see it through and make sure that when he does leave, it's in good hands. Because honestly, how good of hands are you in if your quarterback's Kyle Trask? If your quarterback's Blaine Gabbert? It's a giant question mark. So I think he would have actually stayed maybe another year or two years to kind of see that through. But then since Tom Brady came back and Arians won a Super Bowl, I just feel like he thought it was time. And keep in mind, he's still going to be in the organization. He's still going to, you know, be in some sort of capacity working with the Buccaneers. So he's not just walking away. Like, they're still going to see him. I'm sure he's still going to have some kind of influence on that team. So I don't buy into the whole narrative that Tom Brady um, wanted Arians gone. I teased a segment or a topic before we went to break here. Um, I'm still seeing Cam Robinson going number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So that's not by everybody, right? I think McShay, Kuyper, they all got Hutchinson. Um, it's good to have you on board, fellas. But, like, you know, I saw a CBS one. There's a couple of them out there that are still mocking Evan Neal to the Jaguars. Now, come on. This is mock season. It's shock your mock season. Everyone's got to put something out there to try to get a storyline going to try to get you to talk about it a little bit. But, like, what I love to do in the situations when I see smoke, when I still see Evan Neal being talked about going number one of the Jaguars, then I start to think about all avenues. Of, of why is it still in the conversation? Why are people still talking about it? And it kind of led me on this point. And it led me on this point of why maybe the Jaguars felt like they had to keep Cam Robinson over DJ Chark. Casey, let me present this to you. Exhibit A. Let's go and call this. All right. Exhibit A states, do you think that the Jaguars are interested in shopping Cam Robinson and the reason why they franchise tag Cam Robinson and not DJ Chark because they felt like they could get better trade value for Cam Robinson. I like that. I like that. Spicy. Yes. But at the same time, it makes sense, right? Because you've you've done this dance with Cam before. He's been good. Not great. Mm-hmm. Definitely serviceable. Mm-hmm. Definitely not great. Mm-hmm. So I could see that as being feasible, and it interests me to the point of what they could do with that. Because here's here's how I see it. Like, does Doug Peterson truly love Cam Robinson? I'm not sure about that. Now, there's been the rumblings that they want to, you know, get him a new deal, all that. Do I buy into that? Maybe. But this is also the same coaches that said, oh, yeah, Brandon Linder will be ready to go. You know, he's had to square away some that few things. True. And what happened to Brandon Linder? He gone. Now, now Brandon Linder gone. Yeah. Now Brandon Linder's retired. He's fishing. So He's fishing. Yeah, and then Brandon Linder. Hey. Best of, uh, he's probably hunting and fishing more than golfing, right? I think he's more of a hunter and fishing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he, he doesn't have time for Augusta. No, sir. Right, don't, don't tuck in your shirt. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Put on that camouflage. He's probably like wearing a shirt. On. Don't even wear a shirt. It's Jacksonville. If that's where you're living, yeah, it's 80 degrees outside. Go go shoot a hog or a deer with your shirt off. The American way. There you go. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the American way. The, the offensive lineman way, really. But getting back on point here, with Cam Robinson... I don't know if the Jaguars are truly in love with him, if it's more a victim of circumstance or what the deal is. But I will say this. Maybe Evan Neal can come in and beat out Cam Robinson. Yeah, probably. Right? Maybe Iquanu from um, NC State, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe he, he, he can come in and beat out Cam Robinson right away. Are there that many more offensive tackles right now in this draft that could come in and beat Cam Robinson out right away? 
I would say those two you named. Yeah. And that's probably. I mean, yeah. there'll be some more down the line. We'll see. But I'm just saying what we know right now. That you feel good with right now. Yeah. yeah. I can probably name two. Yeah. So then if that's the case, and we're saying there's maybe two guys that can beat out Cam Robinson right now. Well, if you're a team that's in dire need of an offensive tackle, more specifically a left tackle, would you kind of put your feelers out there and see, hey, can we get Cam Robinson on our team? I think it's a possibility. I think that the, the only reason why there's smoke right now of Evan Neal still going number one, and I haven't really seen a lot of Quanta, but I've seen a lot of Evan Neal going number one, is the possibility of Cam Robinson getting shipped. And maybe that was the whole point of the franchise day. Maybe Doug Peterson or Trent Bulky and company saw, you know what? We don't want to just let this guy walk because there might be some value there. I think with DJ Chark, there wasn't as much value because, number one, you're coming off of an injury. And, number two, if you look at the wide receiver, you know, free agent class, where did he really fit in that? He wasn't top three. Right. He wasn't really top four. You know, he signed a minimal deal playing for the Detroit Lions on, on a one-year deal. So with Cam Robinson, I think there always is the possibility that maybe you could be talking about some kind of trade value. So then, Casey, exhibit number uh, two here, exhibit B, if you will, yep. what does the tra- trade value look like for a team that is desperate for a left tackle right now? Yeah, I think it could be good. Um, if you're in a position to not get one of those two tackles that we talked about, then, yeah, you're kind of desperate. You need to make a move, assuming that, again, you're going to have to then sign Cam long-term. Yeah. I would say you get a second-round pick. You think, you think a second-round pick for Cam Robinson? Yeah. W- wouldn't you if you were desperate? If you were a team that was... <laughs> I mean, if I know that I can get a certified starter, give him a new deal, and I get, what, four years out of him out yeah. of a left tackle, and I, and I see what he did last year, and I, I get it. And it's not all in the numbers, right? I think he only gave up one quarterback sack last year. Yes, there was some pressures. Yes, offensive line struggled a little bit. And I, I get all of that. But if I see the numbers, I think I think I think a third round pick would yeah. would, would warrant consideration. And if we're talking about a third round pick, not the worst thing in the world. So I wonder if, if that's a conversation that's going on right now um, in the building. We'll come back to that in a little bit here. But I think we got some audio uh, from Brent Martin. Do we had Stuart Weber too on the horn, or is it just Brent? Brent and Stewart together. All right, cool. So we got tag Brent. team situation. All right, so we got a little tag team situation. Brent Martineau, Stuart Weber, in Augusta, Georgia, at the players. Um, I think talking about some Tiger, if I'm not mistaken, but also throwing a Jaguars topic in there as well. Let's check it out. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Augusta National Masters 2022. Brent Martin of Stuart Weber, and our first trip back to Augusta since 2019. Guess who won that year? Guess who's the big story coming into the week here at Augusta? Yeah, Tiger Wait, Woods. The big story isn't that the last time I was here, I played the course. That's a big story, and you should tell everybody Is about that. Is that not what that was? Because that was the day after <laughs> Tiger won in 2019. You won the lottery. I you played. The lottery How was that? What did you shoot? Uh, buck 30. Buck 30, not bad. Solid buck 30. I, I respect that you counted every shot. Every shot. Uh, Caddy saw some things on that course he had never seen before. <laughs> I took him to some new places. Uh, we really got, got the walk-in. Well, you and Tiger have something in common. Yes. He has also done things on this course that have never been seen before. Accurate. Five-time <laughs> champ. Yeah, That's no right. doubt about that. Uh, so, hey, listen, you can feel the buzz. I know back in Jacksonville, you can feel it all over the world probably. There's very few draws in sports like Tiger Woods. A little bit ago, he was just practicing sand shots. And this place right where we're standing was lined five, six deep all the way down the practice range here at Augusta National. That's the way it is. 
for Tiger Woods. And uh, there's all this anticipation. Will he play? Won't he play? I've got a belief, Stuart, that he's playing. He wouldn't be here if he doesn't think he can play and be at least somewhat of a factor all the way through the weekend. There's a reason they have what's called the Tiger Roar. The, the roar of the crowd when he does something is different. Mm. It's different from everybody else. And, I mean, he got a standing ovation <laughs> yes, he did. for standing and hitting some, <laughs> some bunker shots. Like, everyone here clapped at, you know, gave him a standing ovation when he was done. And it's like, he's just practicing. Yeah. But it's Tiger Woods just practicing. And you said it. I mean, if he's going to come all the way out here and put this effort in, I know he said game time decision. And I, I was a little skeptical. I'm, I'm not going to lie because of simply how this course is. The elevation, it's not the easiest course to be your first event back walking. When when walking 72 was the big issue, and make no mistake, if he plays, he's making a cut. Walking 72, you know, it's easier on other courses than it would be here in Augusta with the elevation changes that they have to deal with and some potential weather in the forecast yeah. that, that might lead to some slippery conditions out there uh, in the days to come. Well, obviously, we're talking to everybody on radio, but you can also see us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. And one of the big things... Stuart was just shooting uh, some video of Tiger practicing. Yep. But I think bigger than his sand shots and his chips that were really perfect and well done and executed. He's, which, good, at, he's good at golf. By the way, the short, game, the short game is not hard for yeah. Tiger, even with the injury. He's got that in his backyard. Everybody's questioning whether he can really get the speed going. Can he carry it 300 yards? Can he still hit the driver long? Can he get his length? And Billy Horschel said yesterday that he saw him on the range and he saw him practice. He said he looks like the old Tiger in that respect. But the biggest thing anybody saw Tiger do was actually walk from point A to point B. We're actually watching Tiger walk. Yep. What does the leg look like? And I have said this countless times on our show in the past and on TV and everyone who wants to listen. It does not show up on TV. Really the hills at Augusta National. It's the most deceiving thing that I think you can view uh, in a sporting event is what Augusta National is like to walk. And so the 72 holes, if he is able to make it that far, the practice rounds. Uh, and by the way, you ever see Tiger Woods face after a major? He is drained mentally. Yeah. So can he balance all that, come back? Well, if there's a course he can do it at, it's this one. He can play this one in his sleep, and he probably feels like he could play this one on one leg. Yeah, you, you mentioned the, the fact that you can't see it on TV, just the elevation changes of this course. And when you play it, as I can speak from experience, <laughs> yeah. there are no flat lies. Yeah, true. The entire course, you hit it in the middle of the fairway, you're still not going to have a flat lie. You're either going to be uphill or downhill just because of that undulation in the fairways and how it goes up and down from hole to hole which doesn't help when you're like a 20, 30 handicapper and you're trying to hit these shots with, you know, one foot higher than the other. And you're like, this isn't this isn't what I do. There's nothing like this at the range. Uh, so uh, that was something that led to that 130 uh, a couple of years <laughs> among ago. Among other things. Among other things. And also not being able to play golf very well. That probably uh, uh, contributed as well. But, yeah, it'll be. So Tiger will have some of those awkward shots. I mean, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, in the bottom line, like you said. Even if, the normal shots are awkward shots yeah. here. And if he, he didn't, he's going to be able to give it a go in my estimation, unless he hits a hiccup here in the next yeah. few days. Uh, he's scheduled to speak with the media at 11 o'clock on Tuesday. Um, I don't think he's going to play in the par three. I haven't seen that yet, but I can't imagine why he would stress out and do a little bit more than even for he's asked to do. Uh, yeah, he and Charlie came up and played last yeah, week, so the real they might have got that in. He's uh, in the same club as us, I guess. You just said something really interesting. Yeah. I saw odds on this. I think it's even odds right now for Tiger to make the cut if he does play. And right now, by the way, the odds are heavily in the favor that he will play, like minus 600 wow. that he will play. But even odds that if he makes the cut. Well, yesterday it was plus 160. Yes, he makes the cut. Okay. And now all of a sudden the momentum in the betting line says, hey, it's pretty much even money that he's going to make the cut. And I... 
listen, if he's going to tee it up here, he knows this course well. He's got to be confident in his game to some degree. I disagree with the people that say he wouldn't tee it up if he doesn't think he can win. I'm not sure a guy who's laid off for 500 days and hasn't played in that long and also has an injury really, really, really deep down thinks he can win. I know Tiger thinks different, but I think it's more Tiger knows that he's not going to come out here and shoot 82. Yeah. Remember when he went through that time where he wasn't playing good golf and he couldn't chip and all? He was shooting like almost in the low 80s, yeah, yeah. high 70s. I think he knows he's not going to do that, not embarrass himself. Yeah. Whether he really believes he can come here and win against some of the world's best who are in form, I don't know. But I think he probably does believe he can make the cut and play four rounds. Well, that's part of the deal is that he's done this comeback thing before he knows that's true too. what it feels like on the way back and what it's going to look like when he gets out on the course so like you said if, if he probably felt like maybe some of the last couple comeback attempts where he maybe wasn't 100 percent and went out and showed it he's probably not feeling that way now because he knows what it looks like when he feels that way if that makes any sort of sense yeah. and you talk about making the cut here well think about the field here think about how many former champions are part of that field Okay, well, there's, you know, 10 to 15 guys you can count that you're going to beat and be at least in the top half of the field. So, you know, you, you can kind of crunch those numbers and you look at some of the past champions who still make the cut here all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's really amazing to, to think about the Bernhard Longers and some of these guys. Yeah, they can still do it. Even at these older ages because they played the course so well. Well, Tiger plays the course very well. And so I would imagine he has to feel good about making the cut it, playing Saturday. And it's a 91-player field, too, by the way. It's the shortest field in all the major golf. So it's not like you have to go beat 140 guys. Right. You have to beat 90 other guys. And that's what makes this tournament so attractive to people like Tiger and Jack Nicholas when he won at age 46 and even Bernard Longer that still kind of knocks on the door and the Fred Couples that used to knock on the door. That's part of the reason the field is Larry shorter. Makes the every single time he's here. <laughs> but though you can beat Larry Mises and Sandy Lyles, you think, yes, right? Exactly. At least Tiger thinks he can beat those yeah. guys. We'll see what happens. Brent Martineau, Stuart Weber. We're at Augusta National. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch here on ESPN 690, but also obviously on the radio side. We're going to talk more golf. We'll come back each hour and visit with you about the Masters and talk some other topics. Tiger, the biggest topic. Get into the weather this week a little bit later as well. But let's talk a little football first. Sure. Pat Fryermuth, uh, an article came out how he said the Jags were going to pick him last year, 45th overall. Well, the Jags ended up picking Walker Little. Fryermuth, the tight end out of Penn State, mm -hmm. he would have played for his tight end's coach at Penn State who ends up coming to Jacksonville uh, just for a year, of course, under Urban Meyer. Well, I think the interesting part of this article is twofold. One, Fryermuth said, hey, I'm glad I didn't go to Jacksonville. Well, guess what? Everybody would have been glad they didn't go to Jacksonville last year. I think you can make the case. Is he really we still glad? We were here anyway. Would it be better for Fryermuth now to be in Jacksonville, though? He's got Doug Peterson as coach, who tight ends he loves. He's got Trevor. Well, in Pittsburgh, they got Mitchell Trubisky. Pittsburgh's still a very good organization. So they got Mitchell Trubisky. I wonder if he'd say the same coming off year two. We'll see down the road. But I think this wouldn't be a bad year to be a tight end in Jacksonville, is my point. Maybe he can have those conversations with Miles Jack and just kind of <laughs> decide exactly what it was like. In Jacksonville a year ago, of course, Miles now with the, the Steelers as well. But, I mean, he, he would have been a big part of that offense last year had he been with the Jaguars. I mean, you look at them going and acquiring tight ends in the middle of the season because there was such a deficiency. Yeah, you might have sucked. Yeah, the, the season was going to be bad. Okay, well, that's that's the NFL. That's how that goes sometimes. But, you know, it's an individual game at times for these players, especially the ones that are, you know, stat-driven like tight ends are now seem, seeming to be. He would have put up good numbers. It would have been. It would have looked good on him. I personally believe yeah. because he would have been a main target at tight end. So yeah, he would have lost. But 
I don't know. You got yeah. to balance those things a little. I would have rather been in Pittsburgh last year too if I was a player. I would have been saying now is I wonder yeah. for this year it might make the case that hey yeah. maybe Jacksonville's better. So we'll see. But I think okay, bigger than that. That's here nor there. Yeah. I think bigger than that is this shows you the last few years the Jags brass has been really interested in tight end. They were going to pick Hawkinson yeah. at number seven a few years back when J Josh Allen was available. He fell to them, but they were going to pick Hawkinson uh, and ends up going to Detroit. And then you look at Fryermuth. So the Jags, what it tells me is the Jags were tr have been trying to get tight ends, right. or at least highly interested in getting tight ends. Well, they get Dan Arnold, they have Evan Ingram, and now they figure they have a pretty good tight end room. They did get Luke Farrell and stuff, but from a pass-catching standpoint, gonna it's going to be Dan Arnold and it's going to be Evan Ingram. To show you how how much of a topic it is about the tight ends you see on, on social media the last few months would you trade the number one pick for kyle pitts yeah like that that yeah. floated around on social yep. media just that need of that i would have traded all last year's draft for kyle pitts yeah. after pick number one after number one <laughs> need that number one guy maybe uh so anyway that's a little bit of football discussion um, one final note aiden hutchinson i'm sure we've already mentioned on action sports checks on espn 690 visiting the jaguars and uh Icky, listen Icky Aquanu as well yeah. uh, there is still some right. mystery there's a mystery that the Jags could go offensive line pass rusher. And every time I say it, somebody spits back at me, nah, I don't know. I think they can go offensive line. They got Arden Key. I have not wavered, yeah. and I just can't see this franchise yeah. not picking pass rusher. Now, we just talked to a couple guys from Atlanta cover the Georgia Bulldogs, right? Walker. They like Trevon Walker. Yeah. They said he's an awesome guy. Yeah. Never seen a guy move like that. Big-time motor. I'm telling you, people say I'm crazy about thinking Walker would intrigue me more than a guy like Hutchinson at number one. Yeah. It's probably too high to take him. Do you play him on the edge? But you can move him all over the line. This guy might be a special player. I wonder if there are some serious talk inside the Jags building about a guy like Walker instead of Hutchinson. I was going to say, if we run into anybody from Ann Arbor, I have a feeling they're going to say the exact same thing they about might. Aiden. Or if we see anybody from Birmingham, they're going to be like, Evan Neal's a can't-miss guy that you have to take because it's generational at that offensive line spot. So, yeah, obviously you get a little sway from whatever market they're covering him in, but it's certainly intriguing. That's that's a cool thing this year. We had that intrigue at number one that, obviously, last year we knew. We knew what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, hey, how about this shameless plug right now? We're doing this on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. I don't know what sunglasses you're wearing, but I'm wearing Shady Rays, and you should try them. ShadyRays.com, by the way. Okay. Yeah, if you enter the code BRENT, two or more pair of Shady Rays sunglasses, 50% off. Like, and I know you like, like a good I know you like a good deal. These, so, were, these were free. That's <laughs> an even better deal. But, you know. I might have bought them for you. I'll buy you some Shady Rays. I like that. There you go, ShadyRays.com. Hey, uh, Stuart Weber, Brent Martineau at Augusta National, Masters Week, Tiger Woods, all the talk. We'll be back here uh, in the upcoming hours here at Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Back to you guys. Hey, Casey. Hey, yes, sir. Out. Real talk. Could you walk a full 18 right now at Augusta? No. Well, I could. I'm talking, yeah, no. I'm talking 80 degrees. Let's go and put that, I don't know, humidity at around 80%. So we're, we're steaming right now, all right? That's a, it's a crab bank out there. Right. Could you walk the, call, the golf course? Because I don't think I could. I think yeah, my back would go out. Probably not. With the clubs, too? No. I mean, can you take Advil, like, between holes or not? Sure. Yeah. Or, sure. Okay. I don't know. Like, I don't know what's legal and not legal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like for right. instance, like, like MMA, you can't like do oh, like, like on the tour. I have no idea. Well, I'm so I'm saying. I think you can. There'd be no okay. reason to not. I mean, or maybe it? maybe like some like CBD cream because you can use like the gum. Tiger and Phil were chewing the gum before. Remember that whole uh -huh. thing? Yeah. Yeah. Chewing. There's, there's like a cow chewing their cud. So, so wait, you can't take an MMA like if you had a headache right before. No. You, like, there's something where you can't take. I think ibuprofen because it's like a it's like an opiate kind of thing.
So you can't take it. it, it it'll, it'll pop by, yeah, USADA, which is crazy because, hey, spoiler alert, MMA fighters can be sore sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I believe that. Yeah, you think? Yeah. But um, I thought Brent, you know, brought up an interesting topic here about Pat Frymuth. And Pat Frymuth, friend of the show, when I say friend of the show, I mean he was featured in Shocky Mock, oh, I don't know, 50 out of 51 times last year for Shocky Mock. So we got to talk about that. And I got to address why, hey, Jaguars fans, don't worry about Pat Frymuth. Don't worry about what Pat Frymuth has to say. Let it go. Give it the Jalen Ramsey treatment. No, better yet, give it the Tyrannosaurus Rex Jurassic Park treatment. You know what that treatment is, Casey? I don't. You, know, you ever see Jurassic Park, the yes. original? Yes. It's like a documentary. What happens when you see a T-Rex? You don't move. You don't do anything. Right. Don't do anything. Nope. Don't say what's up. Don't move. Just let it be. Yeah. We got to let Pat Fryer move be. <laughs> More on that. And we got Shock Your Mock, a very special edition of Shock Your Mock. I'm bringing a special item to the table for this one. Going to try to keep my heart down a little bit. We'll explain next here on ESPN 690.